My name is Philippa Davis and I'm the founder and CEO of Our Sam Baby Loss Charity. And I'd like to welcome you to the Our Sam Talking Out Loud podcast series. Now this month we're partnering with a national charity supporting anyone affected by trisomy 18 Edwards syndrome and trisomy 13 Patau syndrome and that's soft UK. And we're going to be talking about these two rare genetic conditions. Now, whilst these conditions are rare, they sadly do happen, as I know only too well myself, as our baby Sam was a trisomy 18 baby. So this is something that's really close to my own heart. For the first part of this podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Nora Shannon, geneticist and trustee for Soft UK. So Nora, first of all, thank you very much for joining me today. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself, your own specialist in this area, and also your reasons for wanting to join the Board of Trustees at SOFT? Well, first of all, thank you for um, talking to me today, Philippa. Um, I'm a clinical geneticist, which means that I'm a hospital consultant and I see families who are at risk of or, or are affected by a genetic condition. So I trained in paediatrics initially um, before I went on and specialised in genetics. Um, my involvement with SOFT started when I was asked to talk at their conference in 2004 um, because I have an interest in chromosome conditions and I've been involved as a medical advisor from that point on. Thank you for that. Now, I'm a postgraduate biologist and although genetics wasn't an area that I went on specialise in, I always had an interest in the field. I was actually introduced to these two conditions quite graphically at the early age of 15 uh, during GCSE biology lesson and for some reason it really stuck in my head. Now at the age of 15 where the world seems quite perfect and, and wonderful it can be quite shocking that these conditions occur and at this time our biology teacher actually told us that these conditions were rare and only really happened to people in developing countries which as I sadly went on to find out, is far from the truth. And chromosomal abnormalities like these really do not choose the people affected. So please could you explain for everyone exactly what trisomy 18 or Edwards syndrome and trisomy 13 or Patau syndrome are and how they occur? Okay, so I'll tell you a little bit, just a little tiny bit of basic genetics first. So Genes are like a recipe for how a baby is going to form and we carry them in the centre of each cell of our body and they're put into these little packages or suitcases called chromosomes. So we normally have 23 pairs of chromosomes in the middle of each cell and they're given numbers um, which were originally based on the size of the chromosome and the stripes they had on the outside once they were dyed in the laboratory. So trisomy is a situation where instead of having two copies of a chromosome, one from each parent, somebody has three copies and so they have a whole extra package of genetic information. So the most common trisomy that people will have heard of will be Down syndrome where you have an extra chromosome 21 Um, but in Patau syndrome you have an extra chromosome 13 and in Edwards syndrome you have an extra chromosome 18. There are some rarer variations of these um, conditions that I think we're going to go and touch on a little bit later when we're talking. Brilliant. Thank you. So trisomy 13 and 18, they happen at the point of conception, don't they, when the egg is fertilised. 
right at the very beginning. But how are these conditions diagnosed and how early can you actually find out that the baby you're carrying has one of these conditions? So screening for Down syndrome, Edwards and Patais is usually offered at 10 to 14 weeks of pregnancy um, through the NHS. So there's usually a blood test to measure some chemical markers and also a scan to measure the width of the back of the baby's neck. This test gives you an estimate of your chance of having a baby with one of these conditions and you can choose whether or not to have screening. You can also choose whether you just want to have results for one or more of these conditions rather than all three. And if you have a high risk result, you've got the option to have a blood test called non-invasive prenatal testing. And that gives you a more accurate idea to help you decide whether you might want to have a diagnostic test, which would either be a coronic villus sample test or an amniocentesis. Um, most babies who've got Edwards or Patas will have some signs on an antenatal ultrasound scan. So the other time that this might come up would be when someone has their details scanned at about 20 weeks into the pregnancy. And there might be some markers seen on that scan that will um, lead the obstetrician to think about um, offering a diagnostic test at that stage. Brilliant. Yeah, I know when we went through this, I said from the beginning that I didn't want screening. However, when it came to our scan at 12 weeks, they found that there was a slight enlargement in uh, the nuchal measurement. And at that stage, they said, look, it could be nothing. It could be a hole in the heart. It could be something very, very simple. We had a second scan. It had gone down slightly. Um, They said, yeah, we can offer you CVS um, or blood tests. And we took the blood tests and I think at that point they said look you know there is a slim chance but at this point I wouldn't worry about it so I didn't because I just felt that I just want to enjoy a pregnancy after wanting this for so long so for us it was at our 20 week scan before we found out so it's, it's really good to hear from you kind of the options with that because I know myself that you know, with not opting for screening, then, you know, it's, it's, there are different ways. It's whatever's right for each individual, I think. We will sometimes we'll see individuals where um, they go all the way through the pregnancy and there isn't anything flagged up on any of the tests and the diagnosis is made after the baby is born. It's funny because you don't think about that. You would think, I think, I suppose nowadays with all the scans that take place, um, I would think that's fairly rare to get to the end before before finding something so we touched on this before it isn't as simple is it as a as a baby being either affected by trisomy 13 or 18 or not being affected there are also variations within each condition that can determine the baby's ultimate outcome so could you explain to us a little about mosaicism translocation and partial trisomy Okay, so probably about 95% of the time you're looking at a straightforward trisomy, but mosaicism is a situation where you have some cells in your body that have a standard chromosome pattern and some cells where you have the extra chromosome, the trisomy. So you've got a mixture of cell types there. And that means that the condition can vary depending on the proportion of those trisomic cells in different parts of your body. 
Partial trisomy is where you don't have a complete extra chromosome, you've got part of a chromosome. And so, again, the effects can be variable depending on what part of the chromosome is, has, been, um, has been carried that is extra. A translocation is where you've got two pieces of chromosome that have swapped places with each other. And when someone carries a balanced translocation, they're going to have a slightly higher risk of having a baby with a chromosome condition, and it varies depending on what the translocation involves. Um, and you can usually see this when you look at the baby's chromosomes. If you've got a baby who's affected by Patau's or Edwards syndrome, you would expect on the baby's um, chromosome test to be able to tell if they have one of these rarer versions of the condition and whether there's going to be a higher chance of having another baby in the future who'd be affected. Okay. So, Nora, we have said that these conditions are relatively rare. But how many babies roughly are affected each year by Edwards syndrome and Patau syndrome? Okay, so Edwards syndrome affects about one in 1,200 births and about one in 12,500 will be live births. And Patau syndrome affects one in 2,900 births and about one in 50,000 of these will be live births. So whilst it is rare, it's still quite significant, isn't it? really with with the birth numbers that we have okay Nora thank you so much we're going to take a quick break but please do join us again shortly when I'm going to be talking further with Nora about the implications for babies and families following a, a diagnosis of trisomy 13 or 18 any possible ways to reduce or prevent these conditions concerns people may have over reoccurrence of the conditions in future pregnancies and also where families can go for guidance and support. Welcome back to the second part of this podcast discussing trisomy 13, Patau syndrome and trisomy 18, Edward syndrome, brought to you in partnership with National Trisomy Support Organisation, Soft UK. Now, before the break, I talked to Nora Shannon, geneticist and trustee with Soft, about how these conditions come about, the variations in these conditions, how these conditions are diagnosed and how many babies are affected each year. So we're now going to go on and talk about the implications and support available following diagnosis and also if there is a way of reducing the occurrence of cases of trisomy 13 and 18. So Nora we talked about these conditions what they are and how they come about but now I think it's really important that we talk about how these conditions actually affect baby. So could you explain a little bit further? Okay, so both of these conditions can lead to a range of physical problems. Most babies with Edward and Patau syndrome don't survive to the end of a pregnancy, or they may have a lifespan that's a few weeks or a few months. Often they can have physical problems, particularly congenital heart disease in around 90% of our Edward syndrome babies. Um, Edward syndrome babies can also have joint contractures or spina bifida. Um, sometimes they can have hearing loss or um, reflux as well. Um, babies with Patau syndrome 
particularly prone to cleft lip and palate. They might also have congenital heart disease. They can also have differences with the way that their brain develops or um, the way that the, um, the front of their um, abdomen forms with having um, gaps in their abdominal walls sometimes. And these babies can be small at birth. Um, so for both forms of trisomy, they're often a light birth weight. If they go um, all the way through to term, they can have a poor drive to breathe and they can be uh, have feeding difficulties. So we find that about 10% or so of these children will, um, will go through to uh, living up to their first birthday. Um, and those children tend to have significant learning difficulties. It's interesting. I know when, when we discovered Sam had Edward syndrome, that was with her 20-week scan, with her anomaly scan. And what really showed up with her was that she she's only developed two full chambers to her heart and and a partial chamber and she also had you could see uh brain cysts on the scan and you could also see the finger placement so kind of almost like crossed fingers um that again i mean once you know, once I gave birth to her, obviously you don't see that, but on the scan that was that was really clear. Um, I'm really, really difficult for, you know, for parents to see that. I know when Sam's Edward syndrome, as I said, was diagnosed, you the biologist in me really flew out of the window. And at that point I became a mum not a biologist and as parents you know we were so desperate to do the best for Sam but also once early choices had been made we then wanted to do everything we could to prepare everything needed should she make it to birth or beyond with the difficulties that you've already you know talked about even though for us it didn't happen we still wanted to be prepared but we hadn't been given anything nothing at all in terms of advice or guidance other than a fairly generic NHS leaflet on you know the condition so I actually went searching for some kind of advice myself um, firstly immediately following Sam's diagnosis because at that point you know we were offered the option for termination and again you know what, what we have was well it's your decision so I needed something I guess and then following that about the support Sam would need and and what we would need to do to support her for me the second part of this search actually led me to contacting a family who were going through the same situation their baby had been born alive and they were writing a day-by-day blog at the time but from your perspective as a professional What would you say that families need to consider when caring for a baby or a child with one of these conditions? And what choices are there for families following diagnosis? Okay, so I think it's important to be aware that your baby is going to be as individual as any child. So it can be really helpful to have access to good quality information about a condition and to see the spectrum in other children but your child's going to be unique they've got um, a different combination of genetic instructions um, from you and your partner Um, and so you really need to have some individualized advice 
you need to have some discussions with your medical team because they'll have the results of your child's scans and the investigations they've had done, their growth measurements, and you need to have some individual advice about what the outlook is going to be for that baby and putting together an individual plan, a care plan for what is going to happen for the rest of your pregnancy um, and what support you're going to need after delivery. Um, so you should have that option to sit down with um, an obstetrician, a neonatologist, um, and in Nottingham, sometimes our neurodisability team will be involved as well, um, so that you can have um, that, that individualised plan for you as a family. And families in this situation will make different choices um, about what they want to do. Obviously, they have to weigh up lots of factors, including you know your personal circumstances and what's going on in the rest of your family. Um, and so some families will want uh, and need more information when they're thinking about whether or not to carry on with a pregnancy. Um, and those sorts of meetings and discussions that you can have with the neonatologist um, can be really helpful talking about um, what the plans will be for the delivery and for the care of that baby afterwards. And some families will make that difficult choice that they feel weighing up all of those factors that they aren't going to carry on with that pregnancy and they still need um, that support afterwards. Um, and I think that's really um, crucial to, to try and individualise this as much as we're talking about these being conditions that um, we have quite a bit of information about. Do you know what, Nora, that's absolutely wonderful to hear that now. I mean, Sam was 10 years ago, you know, and obviously things have come on hugely since then. And it's so it's so lovely to hear that it should be certainly now, you know, that that case of kind of sitting down and, and talking about plans with, you know, options. I think, you know, that that kind of such a relief to me that that is, you know, what's happening now. Um, or at least should, what should be happening now. So thank you. Nora, is there anything that can be done to prevent these trisomy conditions from happening? So we can't prevent trisomy from happening. It's it's a natural part of the process before conception when we're making egg and sperm cells. So I think it's important that families know that there isn't anything that they could have done before or during the pregnancy that would have prevented this from happening. I think families can often worry about um, maybe lots of factors that might have been different at the beginning of that pregnancy or how they came to be pregnant that maybe feel that they caused this to happen. But actually, it's something that's happening naturally all the time when we're making egg and sperm cells. And we're just not usually aware of it because we lose a lot of babies who have chromosome conditions very early on, maybe even before we know that we're pregnant. And we know that from studies looking at um, very early pregnancy losses. Um, so I think that's an important thing for families to know and, and to, to take away and have discussed with them at an early stage. Yeah, it's, you know, we know guilt is a huge thing for a bereaved parent. I think the more information people can have, and that's part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast, was because, again, it's one of those subjects that is frightening. It's frightening, it's scary, and our intention with this in no way is to scare people or worry people. It really is to make people aware and also aware of the options. So I know after we lost Sam and our journey continued um, trying for another pregnancy, there were concerns, 
you know, we, we were scared. And as I'm sure happens with everybody who goes through this, as to whether this was going to happen again, you know, with future babies. So I know a really, really important question um, for anyone listening to this is, what is the risk of this happening again with future pregnancies? So for a standard trisomy where there's a whole extra chromosome, the chance of this happening again in a future pregnancy is small, probably 1% or less. For the other forms of Edwards or Patas syndrome, maybe particularly if there's a translocation in the family, then you need specific advice from a local genetics department. Um, but as I said earlier, the obstetrician or the neonatologist will be able to see that on the baby's chromosome test and it will have been flagged up on the report. I think sometimes families worry after the event when they hear that there is a small number of cases where you can have a higher risk that they've not been told about that specifically. Um, but that information will always be held there on your medical records if it's something that you want to go back and double check just to reassure yourself. Fantastic, thank you. I mentioned earlier that advice and guidance was really thin on the ground for us in particular, even though you, know, I, I totally understand you, this is 10 years ago, but all we had was um, a generic leaflet and the words, the choice has to be yours, which isn't, isn't easy. Um, so now where do people turn for support following a diagnosis of trisomy 13 or 18? Okay, so Soft UK have got a range of resources on their website. So they are the, the main charity in the UK involved with support for trisomy 18 and 13. So they have a telephone helpline. They can be contacted by email. It can be really helpful in this situation to talk to someone else who's been in a similar situation and can give you some um, access to some high quality information as well as being a listening ear and really just sitting alongside you while you're going through this really um, difficult um, time in your life. Antenatal Results and Choices ARC are another charity who provide information and support to families who've had difficult antenatal screening results. They also have a telephone helpline and they have particular expertise in supporting families when they have had a diagnosis suggested antenatally. And then lastly, um, for some families, SANS will be a very um, helpful resource. This is a charity that supports families who've experienced stillbirth or neonatal death, and they pro provide bereavement support um, by telephone, and they also have a network of support groups regionally as well. Fantastic. And, you know, I will say at this point, you know, all of these three charities, um, Soft UK, and I'll talk more about in a, in a second, um, and ARC, that's A-R-C, and SANS UK, they are all on SOS Baby Loss on the directory for anyone who needs to find them. With, with Soft, uh, they've created a blog to go with this podcast. So all of the information, contact details and everything will be found um, on the blog that goes with this podcast as well, which is fantastic. Nora, I can't thank you enough for talking to me today. It, it's so wonderful to hear the changes and, and to hear what's happening now and to hear about the support now. Um, and, you know, thank you for all the amazing work that you do and SOFT does as a charity. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish? 
I just wanted to thank you for um, giving me the chance to come and talk about Trisomy today and just um, to say thank you for the work that our SAM's doing to support families. If families do need to talk to a clinical geneticist, then there's a network across um, the NHS and they can be referred either by their obstetrician, their neonatologist or their GP um, if there's information or advice that we can help with. That's great. And that's really good to hear. Nora, thank you so much. That's wonderful. Well, that's it for the first part of this special podcast discussing trisomy 13 and 18. For the second part of this podcast, I'm going to be joined by Professor Nick Embleton, who's a professor of neonatal medicine at Newcastle University and consultant neonatal paediatrician at Newcastle Hospitals NHS Trust. And we're going to be talking about the role of primary and secondary care in supporting babies and parents affected by trisomy 13 and 18. Thank you to everyone for listening. We hope that this has helped you with a subject that we know you may find difficult. Whether you are a bereaved parent, a family member or a professional, if you're in need of advice, guidance, help or support, we are all here and you're not alone. And you can now access SOS Baby Loss, the UK's first online directory of support organisations and services dedicated to anyone affected by the loss of a pregnancy or baby between conception and 28 days post-birth. And Soft UK can be found on the directory as well, as I mentioned before. To find the SOS Baby Loss Directory, you can go to our SAM website, oursam.org.uk, and click on the SOS Baby Loss page, or select the big red button that says Find Support. (music) 